Praise the Lord, everybody. Would you clap your hands to the Lord today? Hallelujah. Come on, would you give him high praise? Would you praise the Lord together with somebody next to you? Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. You are great and greatly to be praised. How many of you are just thankful you made it to the end of 2018? Or maybe you're thankful to start a new year. Are you thankful to start a new year? Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. It's so good to be here. Always good to be one of our homes. I feel like we have several homes. And uh, not because we're rich, of course, uh, but because we travel. And, and uh, But this is certainly, of course, uh, one of our homes. And we always love being home. And, and uh, good to be with family. Good to be with the Palace of Praise. We love this church. Amen. 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 If you'll turn your attention today to the Word of God, I want to read just a short scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. How many of you feel kind of relieved to be escaping this year and entering a new year? Isn't it funny that on Sundays, Sundays there's just like a sense of reprieve. That's why everybody wants to take a nap on Sunday. Even Levi, a year and a half, it's hard to wake him up on a Sunday morning. Easy to get him to sleep for a nap, hard to wake him up after the nap, and then easy to get him back to sleep Sunday night. There's something about the end of a week entering into a new week, that there's this sense of excitement to go into a new week, a sense of relief escaping the old week. That's how we are right now in 2018, escaping the old year, entering a new year. Anybody feel that way or is it just me? Amen. You can say amen, that's all right. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, it says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold now. Everybody say now. Everybody say now. Now is the accepted time. Behold now, there's that word again, everybody say now, now is the day of salvation, amen. I'm going to withhold my title for just a moment for sake of excitement and thrill and anticipation, but I do feel a word of God for this church when your pastor texted me and invited me to preach, it was like instantly uh, the Holy Ghost checked in my spirit just a word for this church and it's going to be simple. But I feel it's a direct word for this time. So if you would, would you just lift up your hands and would you let the Lord know that you are ready to hear his word. We worshiped and we praised, which means his spirit is inhabiting this place. God, you are dwelling in this place. Lord, this is your house. You don't have to knock on the door. You don't have to ring the doorbell. You don't even need an invitation, Lord. This is your house. Lord, and I pray that you would invite us into your presence, Lord, that we could see your love manifested in this service today. I, I pray, God, that you would reveal your glory and your purpose to us through the word of God. And I, I also pray, God, that as you reveal that word, that there would be a hearer today that would receive and respond to what thus saith the Lord. For he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today in the name of Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. Would you clap your hands uh, with thanksgiving and praise that God, uh, He is still God. Uh, He's still doing uh, uh, exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We give you glory today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. The Word of God in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, as I read again in the New King James, it's very similar, but he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. And he says, Behold, now, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Pastor taught such an amazing word this morning in our Sunday school uh, hour and and, uh, was hitting on many concepts and even scriptures that I had prepared and planned to give to you today. uh, But I bring to you today that today, today is the day that the Lord has made. Have you ever had a plan or a preparation or something even considering a, a bill that you needed to pay off, a loan that you needed to pay back, and, and you thought, I'll just make the minimum payments. I, I don't want to change my lifestyle to pay this thing off fast. I've got a, I've, uh, I, I, I've got a low percentage rate on it, so I'm just going to pay it back you know, at the minimum payments. And three or four years goes by, and it seems like you're still paying on that loan. You, you don't need to say amen and blow your cover. Dave Ramsey wouldn't be happy with you, but that's all right. I don't think he preaches for us, so you're safe. But, but you ever reach a point in time, and, and I, I have student loans, and I, my, my wife and I, we've discussed this, and we're like, man, we just need to sell everything, sell our clothes, sell our underwear, sell our shoes, sell everything we got, and just get this student loan off of my shoulders. And, and uh, it's funny because I've now been out of school for a few years and still have these student loans and just confessing to you it's good for my soul. And, uh, and you get to a place and you think, man, if I had started back then paying five years ago, but back then five years ago, it, it seems like the mountain is too high to accomplish and to overcome. And, and then you get five years down the road and you think, man, if I had just started back then. And, and you, it, what's funny is we don't apply the concept of uh, starting back then for today that we don't think man if I would just start today then in another three or four years I could have this thing off of my shoulders because always in the moment it seems like it's too much to overcome I read something yesterday and I don't believe in time travel just for the record uh, um, but but if you've ever read anything sci-fi or anything pertaining to the concept of of time travel. I, I read yesterday and it was kind of an interesting insight that anybody that's ever considered the concept of time travel, they they are very serious to let you know that if you go back to the past, uh, you can't change anything because even the smallest change could could cause the most drastic of consequences in the future. But yet we don't apply that concept to today. That even the smallest change today will in fact result in the greatest change of consequence for tomorrow. Amen. We've seen such amazing things happen and I was encouraged to hear 
of your pastor testifying that God is doing amazing things in the Palace of Praise in 2018. How many can say amen and testify to that? I believe that, and we all know this, that we are living in that day, the last days. We are living in a time that is approaching, and we are not competing against the devil. We're not competing, I'll say, even against immorality or carnality or sin. We're not competing against sinners or backsliders or competing against other churches or competing against God or even competing so much against ourselves as much as we are competing against the coming of the last day, that very last moment when that trumpet is going to sound. In Matthew 24, and I didn't give them this verse, but in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus began to prophesy and teach of eschatology, the study of end times and the study of last things. And verse 14, he began to prophesy and he said, I, I say to you, take heed that no man deceive you. He said, for many will come in my name, saying that I am the Christ, and, and they will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And he said, but see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And then he goes on and says in verse 7, for a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences, viruses and earthquakes and diverse places. He says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. He's testifying, and, and y'all have some of the greatest uh, uh, teachers here of prophecy and biblical prophecy and end times. And, but he says here, he says, look, there's going to be bad things that take place. Uh, there's going to be things that happen that have never happened before. That, that nation is going to rise against nation. There's going to be wars. And, and if there's not a war yet, there's, there's going to be a rumor of war. and There's going to be threat amongst you. And in fact, he speaks of three different entities. He speaks of the ecology of the earth. And he speaks of the thing that will happen in our planet. He says there's going to be earthquakes and storms and there's going to be all these things that happen in the earth. And then the second entity he speaks of is that of the world, the, the humanity that inhabits the earth. And he said there's going to be strife, there's going to be bitterness, anger, there's going to be uh, um, uh, problems and wars, as I've already said. And that then in verse 9 he speaks of the third entity, which is of the church. And he speaks to the church and he says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. In verse 10 he says, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, he said, The love of many shall wax cold. But he that endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. He didn't give a bunch of credentials or pedigrees of what, what it's going to take for you to, uh, to outlast and to make it through these times. He just simply said, to the person that endures unto the end, he didn't say if you got to preach or you got to sing or you gave the biggest offering. or He didn't say if you were the tallest or the fastest or got the blue ribbon of that year. He just said if you can make it to the end. 
Do we have anybody at the Palace of Praise in 2018 that, yes, maybe you have felt a little bit exhausted and you need that surge of energy that the new year is going to bring and you look back at your year and maybe you don't have a whole lot to brag about, tweet about, post about, Instagram about, Snapchat about, Facebook about, or if you still send telegrams, telegram about. You may not have a whole lot to send home about and say, look, Mommy, what I did. And you may not have made it on TV and you may not were, you may not have been America's idol or anything like that but you could stand today on a Sunday morning in 2018 and say hey I have made it to the end while others have walked away while others have compromised while others have given up I have stood my ground I have fought my fight I have oh I have kept my faith I have endured unto the end and God said that's all it's going to take for you to make it is just a enough endurance to the end and then in verse 14 he says and this gospel that our pastor was teaching about this morning he said this gospel this word this truth he said this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and he says and then the end shall come Somebody say, and then, and then the end shall come. I know Bishop King and, and Pastor Sparks, they, they've taught a lot about Bible prophecy, and, and you could go back and forth and debate whether God's coming back before the tribulation, after the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation. That's what some people call pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, whatever. And, and you could argue, really, go back and forth. I had professors at Urshan Graduate School go back and forth. And, and, and uh, you were talking this morning about being persuaded, easily impressionable by, by different teachings. And that was me at Urshan Graduate School. I had one professor say, oh, it's pre-trib. And he quote all the scriptures. And next professor, is post-trib, quote all the scriptures on my God, I'm so confused. I got more questions than the answers. And and I, I, I'm not here to subscribe to any of that today. I'm just letting you know that whether or not you believe God is pre-trib or whether or not you believe God is mid-trib or whether or not you believe God is post-trib, what we do need to understand is God is post-revival. That he said that this word is going to be preached unto all the world as a witness unto all nations and then I'm going to return. He said, I'm not going to come back before everybody gets a chance. I'm not going to come back until everybody has heard the truth. I'm not going to come back until you preach this gospel to all the world. He said, but after that great day, after that time, he said, then I'm going to come back. That's why just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he let them know that I'm going to pour out my spirit and you're going to receive power after my spirit has come upon you and he let prophet Joel know he said hey uh, in the last day saith God uh, I'm going to pour out my spirit uh, upon all flesh that's why John the revelator who saw the coming of the Lord on those last days in Revelation 7 and verse 9. He said, uh, after this uh, I beheld. In other words, after this I saw. Uh, after this I perceived. I got a vision from God. Uh, he said, I beheld and lo, uh, a great multitude uh, which no man could number. I preached here in Oregon a couple months ago and 
at a church I love, and they love me. <laughs> and the pastor's wife, we kind of got into it at lunch after, after that service, and, and uh, I think I won the argument. Um, she probably wouldn't say so, but uh, we had a friendly debate and because I had been uh, preaching that day and I got so excited. You know, I, I'm usually really polite and reserved and quiet and, you know, and uh, kind of more intellectual type. But, uh, but that day I got really excited. I was spitting and sweating. I was jumping all over. I felt the Holy Ghost was on me and I said, hey, let me tell you all something. Uh, if we have seven billion souls, we need to believe for a seven billion soul revival. And I, I just kind of burped that thing out and then kept preaching. And we were eating at her at their house. And she said, let me ask you something, Brother Green. Do you really believe seven billion souls are going to get the Holy Ghost and go to heaven? Because, and she was letting me know, you know the Bible says that narrow is the way, you know, straight is the way and narrow is the gate that, that leads to life, eternal life. And there's only a few on that, that road. But, but, but wide, is, broad is that way and, and big is that gate that, that leads to destruction. And there's many on that, that road. And she said, there's going to be a great falling away. And I said, I agree with everything you said. And, and no, I don't really, I can't ascribe to the belief that every single person at Albertson's right now is, is going to speak in tongues and, and see, me to, see me on that street of gold in heaven but I said it's not just about what, what I believe it's, it's about my faith that says hey if there's anybody with a heartbeat if there's anybody with oxygen in their lungs, if there's anybody with breath in their life, if, if there's anybody with a, with a life to live, a, a day to live, a breath to breathe, if there's anybody in this world, I want to have the faith that says, I don't care how lost they are, I don't care how addicted they are, I don't care how divorced they are, I don't care how depressed they are, I don't care how confused they are, I don't care what color, what race, what demographic, what pedigree they have, if they are a living soul, they have an opportunity to receive the same truth, the same word, the same Holy Ghost, the same redemption, the same deliverance, the same salvation that I have received. And I go to this scripture where John the revelator says, I saw a vision of heaven and I didn't see a hundred people. I didn't see a thousand people. I didn't see a million, Brother Sparks. I didn't even see a billion. I didn't see that. He said, I saw a multitude that no man could number. You see, if you can count to a million, there's more than that. If you can count to ten million, there's more than that. What does that mean to you? It means means that God has something prepared uh, for the palace of praise. Uh, God has something prepared uh, for this city. Uh, God has a destiny. Uh, he's, uh, these pews are not long enough. Uh, these walls are not high enough. Uh, this ground is not big enough uh, to fit the multitude uh, that God has destined for his soul, for his salvation. Would you take a moment and clap your hands with faith? Unto the Lord. Come on, if you believe that, uh, lift up your voice for just a second uh, and let the Lord know, God, uh, I believe that there are greater things to be seen. Uh, I believe, Lord, I believe it. I believe that we have not come to the end of this thing yet. We are not at a dead end. In Jesus' name. 
I was preaching, I got to get back to this verse, but I was preaching in Alaska at their youth convention and I was telling some of those young people, I said, look, we have a road that's been paved by God and by, the Bible says we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and, and we have a road that's been paved by our heritage and Bishop King and even before him and our heritage and I'm thankful for my five and six generations of heritage and in this truth, but I said, but they can only, and they have only paved so far. This road is not over yet. There's not a dead end that says, well, we're done. You got to stay right here. I believe we got to stay on the same road, but we got to continue the pavement of that road. I believe that. I told those young people, and I'm kind of getting off here for just a second, but I believe because Jesus said, he said, look, you've got to go out everywhere. He said, into the highways and into the hedges. And he said, you've got to compel them, them as sinners. He said, you've got to compel sinners to come, compel them to come. And, and I felt the Lord speak to me this weekend and say that, that our calling to compel them to come has been compromised by us having to, compel, having to compel saints to go. I think y'all missed that one. <laughs> you see, our, our capacity of compelling them to come has been diluted and compromised by our new focus by compelling saints to go. Sorry, that was a Wednesday night Bible study point, and I, I used it on Sunday morning. I, I apologize. Uh, uh, that, that wasn't as happy as you wanted it, but I'll, I'll get to happy here in a minute. But I'm just letting you know uh, that if we're going to compel sinners to come, and we're going to get everybody in this city. And You see, what I'm trying to bring to your, your, your attention this morning is that God said, Look, uh, I've got a purpose. Uh, watch what he said. He, he said, Before the end comes, uh, every nation, every tribe, every color, every creed, every tongue uh, is going to hear the gospel. But I want to bring this to your attention. Jesus then reveals to John the Revelator seven times in chapter 3. He says, and he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to who? Don't be shy to who? To the church. So my question is, who is speaking to the world? If the Spirit is consumed by speaking to the church, who then is speaking to the world? Jesus said they're going to hear this thing. And you preached it this morning. That how will they hear unless we are sent? Unless they have heard from a preacher. But how will they hear a preacher unless we go and compel them to come? I'm letting you know this isn't a condemnation. This isn't a judgment. But this is a great word of faith, of encouragement that lets you know you are called, you are chosen, you do have a purpose in this house, you do have a purpose in this kingdom. Hallelujah. John said, he said, I beheld a multitude that no man could number. Of all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues. They stood before the throne, he said. Can you imagine, whoo, having this vision one morning, you get up early to pray, and all of a sudden, boom, there it is, a vision. and You see heaven. 
But you can't see Jesus on the throne because of how many people are standing around the throne. He said, I saw a multitude that nobody could. I saw every color. I, I saw every nationality. I saw every race. I saw every walk of life. He said, watch what he said. He said, they were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes. You know what that means? That means that God took their garment of sin. He took their garment of transgression and iniquity. Their garment that was going to take them to a hell where there is a lake of fire. And it gave them a white lamb, a white throne. Excuse me. He gave them a white robe and said, I will replace your sin with my mercy. With white robes and watch it it says and and palms in their hands and palms in their hands they used to use those palms to stir it up and praise and they would stir what those priests would do they'd come out with that fresh uh, bread that loaf of bread uh, and those uh, some of those priests and some of the people that would come to praise and worship uh, they would get those palm branches and they'd start waving it like this uh, to send that aroma of that fresh bread that fresh word that fresh life uh, they'd begin to spread that aroma where it be, would begin to permeate uh, throughout that place that's what happened on the day of Pentecost uh, and he said I saw them standing before the throne with palm branches saying I worship you God I praise you Lord but I'm here to tell you that God has given us a purpose for this kingdom a multitude I've probably shared pieces of this before but you know we've been uh, several places this year and God has allowed us to I think go to eight or nine different countries this year I don't know I've lost track and I think Devin went with me to uh, Hong Kong and he was there and he testified of some of the things that happened there. Over 150 people filled the Holy Ghost and it was amazing. But And I probably told this, but what was amazing there, Brother Sparks, is when, when there was a, a racial divide that was completely obliterated in that anniversary revival. And they had never, he told me, he said, we've never seen more than 10 or 20 people get the Holy Ghost in one service or in one revival. He said, because there's such a racial divide. And he said, our, our Chinese people will refuse to have church with the Filipinos and the Filipino people refuse to have church with the Indonesians and so on and so forth and and in that first service Devin could tell you that that missionary came up to me and he said look uh, he said the Chinese person is laying hands on the Filipino people and they're getting the Holy Ghost he looked up here he said look the Indonesian is baptizing the Eastern European he said look what's happening in this place and and I remember that that racial divide began to come down and God began to pour out his spirit and the Lord spoke to me Devin was there with me on the platform and 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 God spoke to me and said because this wall and this barrier has come down he said I want to demonstrate my love through healing I want to heal the blind and the deaf and I hadn't seen any blind and deaf people there but I just simply spoke what God spoke and I said if you're blind I want you to come and if you're deaf I want you to come and there were six blind people that came to the altar and, and five deaf people that came to the altar and we only prayed one time in the name of Jesus and every single blind person every person that was blind all six people their eyes began to open and every Every person that was deaf, five deaf people, their ears began to open as God began to heal their body. I'm just here to let you know that if, if it can happen in Hong Kong, it can happen in Beaverton, it can happen in Aloha, it can happen in Portland, it don't matter. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
was over in Ukraine at the what they call the EME Youth Congress, the uh, Eastern or the European Middle Eastern Youth Congress, and they said we just want to see miracles on the last night. I thought, well, that's the easiest thing because God is a miracle worker, and when He shows up, He has to do miracles, or else He's a liar. He shows up. He He is love. He doesn't have love. He is a healer. He doesn't have healing. He said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. And and Palace of Praise. That's why we've got to have a sovereign move of God in our service. Because when God shows up, he always performs who he is. So they said, we want to see miracles. And I don't have time to tell you all the miracles that happened in that service. My wife was there with me. And we had blind people, their eyes open in, in Ukraine and deaf ears unstopped. And we had young people laying hands who had never laid hands on anybody before. And we had over 15 people filled with the Holy Ghost as the young people were laying hands on people that needed to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I was exhausted. We've been praying for an hour, hour and a half or so. And I got my iPad, my Bible ready to go. I had my jacket over my shoulder. And I was about to walk out. And a girl came up, 16 years old, with a couple of girls with her and a minister's wife. And she came up and she said, Brother Green, I need you to pray for me. And she said, I'm American. I'm here on the AYC trip, the Apostolic Youth Corps trip. And she said, I need you to pray for me, but I'm not sure if God can heal my need. And I said, well, what is your need? She said, I've never been able to smell anything. I said, what? Yeah, you're right. I never read that one in the Bible. She said, I was born without the ability to smell. And then it kind of, I'm not very smart, but it's something just enlightened me. And I thought, wait a second. Uh, if God could, could heal the ability to see and the ability to hear, and if God could allow someone to speak in other languages through the utterance of the Holy Spirit, uh, God can do, if he can raise the dead, he can heal your nose. You got two ears, you only got one nose. He can do that. I said, all right, we're going to pray for you. And we started praying. And, and um, I, I just felt for her to take a step of faith. And, and so I said, I want you to do something for me or for yourself, really. I, I said, I want you to take a big inhale through your nose. And, and when you exhale, I want you to say Jesus. And I said, I want you to do that seven times. And she said, okay. And she just, Jesus, Jesus. And, and she started getting worked up. Jesus. And if I keep doing that, I'm going to pass out. I can't, I can't do it seven times. But, but she did it seven times. Jesus. And she just kept doing it. Jesus. Jesus. And on that seventh time, she said, Jesus. And the Holy Ghost hit her, and she fell to the floor. And she was speaking in tongues. And I thought, well, praise God. That's awesome. I think I'll head out. And, and then it hit me. I said, wait a second. We don't know if she's healed yet. I guess I could tweet about it and say, I think someone was healed. But I don't want to think that someone's healed. I, I want to know if they're healed or not. I, I want confirmation, Pastor. I, I want the quality of that conversion. I want to know if it was true. I want to know. And so I said, okay, we, we got to test her out. See, I've, I've seen blind healed and deaf healed, and I know how to test that. Can you hear this? Can you see this? But how do you know if someone can smell or not? Can you smell it? Hey, can you, you know, can you, hey, smell this? You know? Tell, I mean, what else do you do? You, can you smell this? No, I can't smell that. Can you smell this? No, well, I need healing too. I mean, what do you do? You can't. I didn't have any poinsettias there that day. I didn't have any flour. I had my shoe, and I thought, what do we do here? I mean, if she smells my shoe and she can smell it, she, at least, you know, yeah, raise the dead. At least she'll be happy she can smell it. But I thought, you know, I don't want my foot being the first thing she smells. <laughs> and then I remembered my wife, she, someone had given her these uh, potions or something, essential oils. <laughs> and, uh, 
uh, any ladies use the essential oils, amen, and uh, had peppermint, had peppermint oil, and I had it in my Bible case, and I thought, wait, I'm going to get that peppermint oil, and I got that peppermint oil out of my Bible case, and I said, hey, stand up. She stood up. I said, I want you to open this and see if you can smell it. She got it, and she, she started to say, no, I, I can't smell that, and she reached it out like this, and as she 